The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We are going to be talking to Lieutenant Colonel Dan Jennings, who's the divisional divisional commander at the Salvation Army. And Dan, welcome to In Tune. Well, thank you very much. Uh, good to be on the program today, and uh, just thank you for your interest in the Salvation Army. Now, tell us, uh, you know, the Salvation Army has a very historic uh, background. Uh, give us a little background of the St. Louis, because one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on, not only because of your response with what's going on now, but, uh, and, and you have to correct me, is it 140 years this year? I, I have, I've read two different things, or is it next year? Oh, wow. Well, uh, the Salvation Army is 155 years old, 140 years in St. Louis. In fact, St. Louis, for a time, was the national headquarters for the United States. Look at that. <laughs> That's great. There's there's another first, folks, for our area know, that seems to get obscurely lost in uh, in in history. Uh, but the uh, the Salvation Army has you know got its founding in uh, England, correct, and then kind of traveled yeah. across the pond here. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us yeah, a little bit about the founder. So William Booth founded the Salvation Army, and he was a Methodist minister, and when he founded the Salvation Army, the primary purpose uh, was for evangelism. He was an evangelist at heart. Uh, it served for some time in the Methodist Church on the east end of London, among the poorest of the poor, and really found uh, a calling to them. In fact, when he went home one night, he said to his wife, he says, I have found my destiny, and it's on the east end of London. And Every once in a while, you know, amazing things will happen, and you just say, that's, that's what the Lord's called me to, that's my mission. And one of the things that was happening at that time in London was uh, a thing called Fozzy Jaw, an odd disease, but it would rot the jawbone of the people who made matches. And the Salvation Army thought, we have, we've got to do something about this. And in fact, one of the, the early uh, kind of social ministries the Salvation Army did is they started a match battery and made non-phosphorus matches, which eradicated Fozzy Job through the east end of London. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's unbelievable. Now, we normally think, I think most people in St. Louis, when they think about the Salvation Army, they will probably think about the Red Kettle. They may think mm -hmm. about uh, some rehabilitation services, but there's a whole lot more that goes into that. You guys are homelessness, food assistance, volunteering, rent and utility assistance. There was one uh, I had even thought about was the, where is it here, you know, finding people that are missing, missing persons. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, we had a, a missing persons bureau uh, in Chicago. That is not as active anymore because of Google. Uh, but in the uh, in the last couple of decades, if you were looking for someone uh, before the age of the internet, the Salvation Army had a service where we would uh, actually track people down. We'd make all the calls, uh, figure out where people were, and try to reunite them. It was a great thing to do. But that's almost gone now because it's so easy to find people just by looking at Facebook or Instagram or typing their name into a Google search. Now, if people think about the St. Louis area, this is the uh, Midland region, is that correct? Is that how that's pronounced? Uh, Midland Division? 
Yeah, yeah. Midland Division covers all of the state of Missouri except for Kansas City, and it covers what we call southern Illinois. So anything from Quincy, Illinois, all the way down to the southern border where Indiana and Kentucky come together, we, we cover that uh, area. Now, what are some of the... Yeah, it's, it's a huge area that uh, yeah. that's an undertaking there. We're talking about uh, also human trafficking. We're talking about you have youth camps. In the St. Louis area, what would we recognize? You know, one of the reasons I, I wanted to call you up is because on top of the, and I don't remember what the name of the building is, it's, it's the old Robert E. Lee Hotel. You have the sign that says, Serving St. Louis yeah, since 1880. Yeah, that's our, that we call that the, the Railton Residence, and uh, it's had many purposes over the years. Uh, but about 10 years ago, we had a vision to turn that into something uh, totally different. So rather than being a homeless shelter, we turned that into permanent, low-cost housing for people who wanted to work downtown but couldn't find anything that was affordable to live in. So that's a, a fixed-rent, low-income, one-bedroom apartment that people can live in. And it is uh, it's in high demand. It's for people who are... Uh, low income and something that is reasonable for them to be able to live right downtown where they work and be able to have a place that's nice and uh, they can have dignity and make it their own place. Now, give the kind of a background on Harbor Light. And I always have heard those words. And when I was doing some uh, studying and, and some history for the show today, that started as a substance abuse program. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly right. And it, it differs from some of our other substance abuse programs in that it has a, a detox portion, and then you go into a, a residential treatment center to get off of drugs and alcohol. In the earliest days, it was primarily for people who were alcoholics who wanted to get sober. But in, in today's world, it is probably two to one uh, drug addiction over alcohol abuse. Wow. Now, there's you guys, like you said, you cover the entire state. I'm looking at, at the map here where, where you are. You're Springfield. You're down in Joplin, Branson, Sedalia, Columbia. Looks like up Kirksville, Hannibal uh, on the uh, southern Illinois side. Uh, in Alton, is that Quincy? Uh, and also in O'Fallon, Missouri, down in Arnold, Missouri, Marion, Illinois. Just unbelievable. Jeff City, this is just not the thrift stores either. Uh, that we're talking about, folks, because that's another thing I think people would see. You know, the Red Kettle would see the thrift store, maybe see the the shield, the Red Shield, every once in a while. Uh-huh. Uh, get into some specifics, uh, if you don't mind, uh, Dan, about some of these other maybe unseen kind of things that you guys are doing. I know in disasters, you know, you see the, the Red Cross and you see the Salvation Army out there. Sure. But talk about some of the other things that people may not see that you guys are really actively on the front lines working with. Well, here are just a couple things that, that we do that are unusual, that are uh, not in the public eye as much. Uh, for example, in Ferguson, uh, we have a clinic that operates there. To And what we did is we discovered the uh, emergency rooms that were being used as a primary care physician. So people were going in uh, for routine illnesses or waiting until it was catastrophic to go in. They had no primary doctor. No one ever saw them as a routine visit. So they'd wait till it was catastrophic and go to the emergency room to be treated. So we partnered with uh, the local hospital there and said, let's set up a, a, a doctor's office, a clinic right in our building so that people can come at no cost, get treatment, see a medical worker, 
And the, the goal was, let's see 100 people over the course of the year, and let's try to reduce by about 80% the number of people that are going to the emergency room for non-emergency visits or until it builds up until an emergency visit. So we had a goal that uh, 80 of those 100 wouldn't go back, and 98 people did not go back over the course of the year because they could come to see us. And so that's not real public. It's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not like ringing the bells. It's not like... Uh, homeless shelters, but it's making a gigantic impact in the lives of those hundred people that came in over the course of this last 12 months. That's incredible. That's uh, something I had no knowledge about, and that's one reason I asked the question, because I know that you guys are doing some things that we're, we're not aware of. I have a question. How does someone who is an, is an art history major or an art major at the University of Kansas, which is where I went to school also, how do you oh, rock, become rock, the lieutenant colonel of uh, the Midland Division? Well, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you admire what your parents do. My mother was in the Salvation Army for about 30 years and really uh, loved what she did and loved helping people. And as a child, you think that's the last thing you want to do is the same thing that your parents do. But uh, this is what the Lord called me to do, and it felt a real distinct uh, leading toward this. And so uh, now, almost 30 years ago, I became a Salvation Army officer, and uh, we are on an appointment system. So the Salvation Army appoints us to where we live. Uh, we don't get to choose where we go, and it's it's an adventure. You end up places you never thought you would end up, and, uh, and I just I just enjoy what I'm able to do and able to make a, an impact in the communities where I live and work with such incredible, dedicated people. Uh, who I get to, to to help figure out how they work into their communities as well. Uh, the Salvation Army is very local, but also when you think about it on the national scale, there's not a single county in the United States that doesn't have some sort of Salvation Army presence, somebody to, to help in that community. And you and your wife have uh, both served together uh, in you know, Upper Michigan and Wisconsin and uh, Chicagoland area. And uh, has she been doing this as long as you have? She's actually, she outranks me by about three years. So she's ahead of me in this. Uh, so she was a Salvation Army officer before. And perhaps that had a little influence as well uh, to become a Salvation Army officer. And our, as officers of the Salvation Army, uh, both have to be officers. You can be employees, not have your spouse be employed but as the right. leaders and the officers, both of you have to be uh, commissioned Salvation Army officers. Now, Mark, you were the former mayor of the city of Maplewood, and there is a Salvation Army facility in Maplewood there. Uh, there is, and uh, they have been very helpful in after-school programs uh, and just uh, outreach into the community as well. Maplewood, um, for years, had... Uh, higher than 50% free and reduced lunch programs at our school district. We've gotten much better uh, over the, the past few years, but uh, for a long time, Maplewood uh, was, you know, a bit of a struggling uh, community, and we had our challenges uh, with some of our citizens, and we've got larger than 50% of our, uh, of our housing stock in Maplewood is apartments. And uh, I don't mean it for it to sound that, you know, apartment people – um, aren't well off or anything, but uh, it, ha it has been a, we were for a while very transient and uh, 
folks were moving in and out very quickly. And um, the Salvation Army, to, to get to your point, has always been there in our community. I know they reach out past the Maplewood borders, but boy, the things that we have seen uh, them do for us here, their doors are always open. They're always there. They've got uh, buses to help uh, move people around. And like I said, the after-school programs have been great. I've known many of the citizens of Maplewood have gone up there and volunteered their time. I know there's a lot of volunteerism up there as well. And uh, the contributions, I think you and I talked about this off off the off the air, uh, Arnold, but the contributions that people make, such a lion's share of that dollar that is given to um, the Salvation Army goes to help people, which I, I think is, right. is very... Very great. I mean, it's great what they what they've been doing and what they've done here in this community has been great too. So yeah, Dan, how are you guys? Were very. Uh... Oh, sorry, I cut you off there. I was just going to say no, we get no, audited you... each year, and one of the things that we look at is how much of the dollars that are given local stay in the community to with to help people. And uh, every year we do exceedingly well. This last year, the audit showed us that about eighty five percent of every dollar we receive stays right in that community where it's raised. Wow. Wow. That's unbelievable. How are you guys assisting with uh, those who are impacted by COVID-19? What what kinds of things uh, is the Salvation Army doing? Because I know you're one of those groups that's on the front lines. Yeah, we've got lots of people who are out of work, especially uh, people who are low-paying jobs or working in the service industry. Uh, those jobs have just been absolutely decimated by this stay-at-home order. We all hope that they will come back soon, and uh, we hope that people will get back to work. But one of the issues is, as they're off of work, they need they need to pay their rent, they need to buy medications, they need to have just food to eat. And so we've stepped up our uh, ability to help them, but at the same time, it's transformed the way that we do that. Here's an example. Uh, we have food pantries in each of our Salvation Army units where people can come and get food, uh, and we've transformed those over the last four or five years into what we call client choice pantries. What that means is people come in with a little shopping cart, they go through, they pick the food that they want, uh, so no one's prepacking and telling you you've got to take those things. All of that now has changed since the the virus hit. Uh, we can't have people walking through touching all the cans and boxes of food, so we have to have volunteers who are suited up with gloves and masks and everything that they have to have that pack the boxes and have them ready right at the door so that people don't even have to come inside. Now, it's drive-up service. You drive up and we put those boxes right in the car or someone will come to the door and pick those up. So it's a lot more labor-intensive than it is ordinarily. And then in addition to being more labor-intensive is the volume has increased. Uh, So Mm -hmm. we see 25 to 30 people at each of those spots just got a Yesterday, um, one of our that is the busiest, if they've been as hot the last couple of weeks as 150, 170, yesterday they topped the 200 family number in numbers of wow. people that were coming to get assistance from the Salvation Army. So more hands-on, more labor-intensive, and the volume is just absolutely out of the sight. Five or six, seven times more than we typically would see in a day are coming in because the need's there. Now, I want to give their website out. Uh, we're not done, but uh, it's stlsalvationarmy.org, stlsalvationarmy.org. And, Dan, how can people help? I know 
donations are always accepted. But I notice you have a, a volunteer uh, section here, and I don't know if you're accepting volunteers during this time because it's a little uh, dicey. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm accepting volunteers, but it takes uh, more vetting now to become a volunteer during this uh, this outbreak. In fact, to find out more information about it, I'm going to give you another website that has been set okay. up specifically for the Salvation Army during this crisis, and it's salarmymidland.org, so S-A-L-A-R-M-Y midland.org. We've got information on there about how you can uh, volunteer, how you can give financially, because typically uh, when we have a big run on food and we need to refill our pantries, we just have a food drive. We tell everyone to go out and go shopping, buy some food, go to your personal pantry, find some things you aren't using, and bring it down to the Salvation Army. But again, we just can't do that during these days. Number one, we want people to stay at home if they're able to, not to get out and go shopping or come to the Salvation Army if you don't have to. And number two, we just can't have that many people touching each box or can of food as it goes through many hands. The potential for exposure uh, raises. So uh, normal channels by which we get food aren't there. So the need for financial support is greater than ever. You know, the... um you know, when I see organizations like the Salvation Army, and there are many wonderful groups uh, throughout the world and throughout our country and our in our local area that are that are serving, but uh, your mission uh, is to you know promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you do that through fighting addictions, through combating poverty, through you know working and empowering youth with you know providing housing for homeless for. Uh, serving vets for in helping in disaster uh, situations with survivors and helping around the holidays when people don't have hardly anything. And, you know, that's when I was reading a little bit about the history and, you know, the East end of London was not the most glamorous place uh, back in the day when uh, he started uh, his mission. And, uh, you know, now it's become a little bit more prominent area. But uh, the mission that you have uh, to be near and to assist people is, is really speaks to putting the gospel into action. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that mission, you, you nailed it. It's to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human suffering in his name without discrimination. So even the services that we do, we provide those services and help people in the name of Jesus. That's that's our call. That's our mission. We believe that uh, we've been well-placed to accomplish that uh, throughout the world where we've been placed. Uh, people who come in to get help obviously don't have to attend the Salvation Army meeting or go to church or make a confession of faith. We do it because we're called to serve. And But there are people who call the Salvation Army their their place of worship. We have congregations uh, in many of those locations that meet together like-minded people who feel called into service and want to be a part of that, and to have serving people as an expression of their faith. So folks, if you want to know more, you can check them out on Facebook, the Salvation Army St. Louis, Salvation Army St. Louis, or you can go to salarmymidland.org. SalArmyMidland.org. Dan, any final comments uh, that you want to, uh, words of encouragement you want to give to us? Just that uh, we are praying for uh, everyone who is being affected by this. 
not only are we serving, rolling up our sleeves, providing food, providing assistance, but uh, we feel compelled uh, just to continue to pray for people. In fact, uh, we'll gather tonight with just a couple of people who are going to broadcast out our Good Friday service to our parishioners and uh, have a special prayer time for uh, those who are suffering through this. And I'm going to leave that comment with two from your Facebook. Kindness is greater than despair, and hope is greater than fear. Lieutenant yeah, Colonel absolutely. Dan Jennings, thank you very, very much for being on the show. We appreciate it, and we uh, are encouraged by your mission and continued uh, best wishes to you and your family. Well, thank you very happy much for Easter. And for getting the word out. Oh, yes, happy right. Easter.